The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tale of Our City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Man, oh man, what a week to unpack. Plenty of thoughts, and uh, we move forward here. Wisconsin looms. Nebraska basketball, dare I say, survives last night against Sam Houston State, 74 65. Did you watch all of that? Did you I, watch all of that or listen or what? I, I I listened on my phone and then I I mooched it over at, at, at Brett's house, Coach Brett's. We played a little pitch last night, and let's just say the rubber match of the pitch game didn't go so well. Uh, but it went about as well as, I don't know, uh, this the, <laughs> Nebraska's final close. At least they were able to get some stops but, yeah, I watched it, and, and listen, I'm the last guy to throw stones at at a broadcast crew. But I think it's an absolute travesty that the University of Nebraska students are not broadcasting those games anymore. Period. It would, yeah, maybe it would be nice. Maybe I mean, it would be nice. What I, what, I don't, what I don't need is uh, – I, I don't need and, – and, and, the play I play was was fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't need. I don't need uh, an assistant or a part of the staff member doing the game. <laughs> it's it's uh where every different experience where everything's a foul that doesn't go in. Yunka dunka. Yeah. I mean, just Jesus. There's not enough vodka in my <laughs> cabinet to to get through another one of those. Hey, and I not tried. His, it's not, and I, and it's I, not his training. And I tried. I know. So don't do it. That's why I just listened to Pavelka. Yeah. Well, and listen. And hey, I tried to sync now, it up. I tried to sync it up. And listen, I hey. suck. I suck a lot of times when I'm trying to do games. I'm so I'm I'm like the the last guy. Play it's, was well, fine. There, there are a lot of comments on that sort of thing. You're not alone. Play was but, play was fine. Jessica's money. I'm just saying. The only thing I'll say it's, about it's, that it's just rough. Yeah, it's not his training. Let, let, he's just he's just doing it, right? He's just they they asked you, him to do it. You, he's doing you, it. I know, and God love him for it. But you right. have but you have students that have been doing it, and you've got a crew of really talented kids that that have done it for years yeah. for all sports. Yeah. I'll say so this: it, at least the Nebraska students get to do the women. Well, this Women's is look. Team. This is this is sports like congestion time. You got football going on. You got volleyball going on. You got basketball starting up. There's hockey. There's so there's a lot of stuff that's moving to BTN Plus. Right. Right now, eventually, it's just going to go to the normal networks with the trained announcers that we're used to. Hey, 
it, at it, least you it, get to it, watch it, it get, though. And and right. the, and the Husker Vision crew, the students, money, um, have gotten have really improved. The first game was like you know, there's a lot of shooting of the feet and gotcha. whatever you know hey buddy hey camera two you're on hey you're on and they're like not paying attention you know but last night was you could at least view it and just keep the volume down and it is so it's okay they're they i don't want to say they're bad yeah. basketball a bad basketball team they are a frustrating basketball mm. team they are a disjointed basketball team that looks like they have very little continuity which they don't. They look like a new <laughs> basketball team. <laughs> right. They, they're, they're, look, so, but individually, the collection of talent, I don't have a lot of questions about. No. I really don't. I, I think you have enough talent on the team. They're trying to figure out their roles. Look, Bryce McGowan's, I mean, he goes for almost 30 last night, right? He's your X Factor. Uh, I mean, he well, had team I 29, five boards. Which is uh, efficient as hell. Was he yeah, nine, he, nine of twelve from the eight of twelve? Nine, nine of thirteen. Nine of thirteen. Yeah. yeah. He was he well, he was so he was good, and you didn't see Cranach. You saw a really nice jump from game one to game two when it comes to definitely. shot selection, right? Definitely. And look, he's a guy. So far, he's still adjusting to the college game. Period. The the thing that you notice about him, at least early in games, is it, it takes him a little bit to get comfortable. Sure. You know, and he looks like he's still actually growing into his body a little bit. Like he's not he he's smooth. But then there's those moments of just kind of physical awkwardness a little bit. Uh, so it, I think it's going to take him a little bit. But then once he settles in, once he gets into the flow of the game, he's he's a real difference maker. And, you know, you, you see in a lot of a lot of uh, complaints about Alonzo Verge, mm-hmm. too, um, with people saying, oh, he's. You know, the ball sticks to his hands too much. It does, he doesn't pass it fast enough. And I think that's fair. Um, but to call him out as though he's not going to be a huge factor is crazy. He'll be, he's, a, he's, he'll be a difference maker, Mark, if yeah. if it's not Arizona State, Alonzo Verge, where there are moments right. in that first half where he's you're not passing the ball. He's just trying to go harden and, and take on – an entire team, but yeah. as Nebraska was able to to close out and and put a run together, I mean it was tight. It was tense around that twelve thirty eight, twelve forty mark where uh, you finally, thanks to to, to Trey McGowan, you get up uh, by a couple of points. Finally, after being down ten, you're up sixty forty six forty four. Two of the two of Trey's free throws go down. Uh, and then Bryce hits that three to help trigger an 11-1 run. Verge did a great job of penetrating and finding teammates. And, uh, right, I later. Think, yeah, you had that dunk by Andre because Verge found him, right? And then yeah. you had, yeah. uh, I think it was uh, I think it was Trey that cut in off the wing and Verge found him. Verge is going to be, I mean, you're going to keep having McGowan's improve, obviously, and he's he's a difference maker. But it's all about Verge. Kind of how Verge is going to play a game is how this team will either succeed or, or fail. And, and then obviously the rebounding. And I'm glad Andre got in, man, because Andre's doing the little things defensively. Uh, he's yeah. doing the things on the glass. And that's that's what you got to have from this team. He's a He's a highly athletic, explosive player at his height. And so as, if he can stay out of foul trouble, 
And if he can, you know, figure out the intricacies of the game, um, earn the trust of his coaches, too, because, you know, he he doesn't start, uh, barely played in that first game. Or I don't know if he did play. Um, So he's got to sort that part out. But once he does, he, he seems like he should be a regular and then to your point about ball movement, that is everything mm. right now. That is absolutely everything for that team because until you do that, there's no point in having a Kase Tominaga on your team. Right. There's no point in having uh, Keon Edwards and Lat Mayen and CJ Wilcher and, and these guys that are three-point shooting specialists. That's what they are. Now, to to defend, I guess, well, not, I guess not to defend anything, they didn't hit a lot of their shots last night, so you, you got to do that. No, you know, they were 422 of, from distance. Yeah, Mayan had a lot of shots from the corner that just didn't go down. So if, if you know, those got to start going down. But you keep that ball moving, and you do that regularly on your offensive possessions. Tominaga is going to get loose, and if he doesn't, Wilcher will, and if he doesn't, Mayan will, and if he doesn't, Edward. Right? Like you have enough guys that you have to get open looks too, and you're only going to do that when you move it, <laughs> when you move the ball around. And I, on top of that, too, you saw spurts of it in the second half. But defensive intensity was really bad in the first half, too. It just looked like a team that maybe structurally they were where they were supposed to be. But there was very little pressure on the ball. There was very little hands in the lane. There was very little communication. It's just, it, to my point earlier, just disjointed. It, it, it's, it's not like they don't have the talent or the length or the body size or anything like that part is all good, but probably as good as it's been at Nebraska, maybe since, Oh, what's his name from Georgetown went down. Um, you know, the transfer from Georgetown, the Copeland under Tim. Yeah. Remember like that, that frontline starting group before he went down, that looked like a really solid squad. You had everything you needed from a basketball point of view. And then he went down and the whole thing fell apart and, here we are. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. It's just, can Fred get those guys? Can they accelerate playing together better and having some like core fundamental things down where it's like we are going to play uh, with a certain level in, of intensity on defense. We are going to move the ball just as a rule. You take care of like just those two things, and I think the rebounding will start to come too. Rebounding is bad. That's obvious. Um, it's just, it's a lot of individuals right now. That's just basically what it is. Well, and, and here's the thing. Verge is so good and so talented and so quick, but the first half, the ball can't stick to his hands, right? Yeah. And right. If, if you get four other guys that are pissed, and I'm, I'm inferring that I would be pissed if they're not running the offense, it's the – Verge show, and your your effort sometimes doesn't translate over the defensive side if you're not getting touches on the offensive side. That's just a reality, and you don't have to go make Sports Center shots every time down court, showing off your handles, man. And yeah. it, and the problem I have is it's this is a fourth year guy. This is two years in JUCO. This is two years at Arizona State. Yeah. So the inconsistency's got to go goodbye. This is also, let's just keep in mind from a player's point of view, a performer's point of view, 
new team, entirely new role. Like, that's what they wanted Verge to do. He, he was off the ball. He was get us some buckets. That's what he was for four years. So he's on a new team now. And they're playing in front of fans again. Right? It's, I mean, it's just, and they're playing with all new teammates. Like, there's a lot of things that are working against having a, a team that is contiguous, that's moving the ball well, it's picking each other up, communicating on defense. They're just, they're not used to each other yet. No, I'm not excusing it, but I'm just saying it's, it takes a little bit of time. Well, better be and ready by Burge, Tuesday. Verge is going to have to settle it. Every time Verge has stepped on the court in college, except for these last two games, he was asked to do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So he's got to unlearn some of that behavior. They got to beat it out of him a little bit. <laughs> you know, the I, the, the, the two preseason games though, preseason, it wasn't this bad. Yeah, yeah. When it no, comes right. to, to distribution, let's hear from Fred. I don't know if you can hear this or not, Cranack. It's just a quick snippet, though, uh, from Fred about how the team fought back. That's 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 the good news about last night is they won Husker basketball too. They uh, how how does this team handle adversary adversity? They didn't do it well uh, in in game one. They they did better last night because they found a way. I was I was really proud of them for hanging in there when that thing wasn't going in the hoop. And you know, obviously, we dug ourselves a hole and found a way to keep grinding and, and get out of it. I thought the ball movement was so much better in the second half tonight as well. Uh, you know, sometimes human nature with a new group of guys when the ball's not going in the hoop is to try to do it by yourself. So to go out there and share the ball much better in the second half resulted in some really good possessions. So that was Fred. Uh, he just looks like he can tell that there's there's a great collection on this squad, but man, is it going to be is it going to be an arm wrestling match to to get them to do what he wants moving forward? Or hopefully, as a player, you recognize what needs to happen versus what you want to do individually did you go last night elijah i I didn't i was listening on the radio and i decided at halftime i was the bad luck charm because i I shut it off with about five minutes to go right before the half so husker basketball should thank you yeah because they were down like 10 when i shut it off and then uh (laughs) half only down five and then by the time i turn it on in the second half again they're up five so i think that's good but um I, i i think the question becomes as a husker basketball fan is did something click in that team last night in the second half um, that brought them back to where they were in the exhibition games. Like, the, did it take some of the pressure off knowing, okay, if we trust ourselves, we can do it, we're okay? Because you got Creighton coming to town on Tuesday. It, it's a it's a, it's a, a short turnaround having to go from, okay, we're struggling with Sam Houston State to now uh, the team that's been the, the best team in the state for about the five, past five years, if not longer, uh, is now coming to your backyard. Uh, so... It's that. That's my thought on the game last night. Is how quickly can this thing click, or is it going to get ugly against Creighton on Tuesday? Well, Creighton's not Creighton. You know a little bit more up in the Metro on Creighton. I know they they went one and nineteen this week from three, and they're they're a a different squad than they've traditionally been. So maybe uh, two teams, the one that's left standing after Tuesday night is uh is going to be able to kind of turn the corner and get some momentum as you as you head into the rest the rest of your non-conference we're at the single barrel for a real red tip off ahead in nebraska creighton so come see us on tuesday but now i mean you've got somebody special in in bryce mcgowan's we we knew that but he's 
he is he is so effortless looking with with his ability. I like that Trey's able to to be gritty and have some toughness. And then we we got Eduardo back. If you're a Nebraska fan, and, and he was the difference, and Fred said as much. So we'll see if Nebraska learns from it. But at least they got the win. At least they're one and one. It looked <laughs> looked real danger time there for a while. Yeah, it did. And Creighton's in a pretty similar boat, right? They're trying to figure out their lineup too. They're it's overhauled entirely. So you have two teams that have entirely new lineups, a whole huge collection of new guys, plenty of talent. There's there's no question about that. Creighton is recruited very well. Sure, um, they have some high level players on their team too. So like it's talent wise, it's it's, it's going to be pretty cool to watch. It's it's going to be about which one can actually execute a system mm. this early when they've had very little time together to gel as a unit. Um, so and now Creighton has more of an established system, more of a history, coaching continuity, all of that. Um, so you, you probably give the early edge to them for that. They will move the ball. I mean, they they just do. You know, they that's that's just like from the second you get there, that's how they roll. Well, I, it comes down you know, to to just playing better if you're Nebraska, uh, playing smarter if you're Nebraska, and and having that one two on the glass. And a question I'll have moving forward is is, is Eduardo Andre after that performance last night is he going to be considered to be if not getting more minutes put into the starting lineup. Can, can Fred Hoiberg make it a big lineup work? Uh, it seemed to eliminate some glass problems last night whenever they had Eduardo Andre in the game. Uh, so can they find a lineup maybe with Eduardo Andre next to Derek Walker uh, with a couple other guards, probably McGowan's brothers plus, I don't know, who am I forgetting here? Uh, probably Verge. Mm-hmm. Verge plus the McGowan's brothers plus Andre plus Derek Walker. Can they make that work uh, to help you with your rebounding, to help you with your, your defense down inside? That's a question for me. Uh, I guess we'll see what Hoiberg wants to do. Great, Eck. Some thoughts. Uh, we have spent a lot of the week kind of on Nebraska, on Trev, on Scott, on the pay cut, on the the uh, retention, and then the dismissal. Rewind coming up in about uh, five to ten minutes with Bill Dolman uh, on on Fred on, uh, on Fred on Scott and and Nebraska football. But we were kind of wondering what what was going to happen and when it was going to happen statement wise with frost's return question mark or not he's back it's been on uh, all of our minds all week and a little bit more clarity yesterday with the specifics what we don't know is the metric uh for the return but it looks like to be sitting near bull eligibility or right there anyway by october 1st to 2022 what and Sharpie's going to be on with this. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, he's pretty uh, pretty close with Trev Alberts, and get his his response to this too. But you know, I think it's it's good that Scott's back. I think the dismissal of the assistants, while you need to do some changing, makes sense. I don't know that it makes sense now because you're still pitching. Hey, I'll be here for more than just one year on the recruiting trail. Um. I'm a little bit torn as, as up and down as the O-line played. I, I think Greg Austin's a really good coach, and I've had more than enough people that, that know football tell me that. Uh, and I just also wonder uh, with Coach Frost, you know, can you be – I think he wants to throw it. I know they've run. Percentage-wise, they run. Can he have a 
fundamental shift in in how they win games. And I think he's wanted to throw it because that's that's what he likes. That's what they've done well. And they've run it, yes, but they want to get down and kind of be high-flying, right? They want to throw the football. And it's just never worked out to have either the decision-making, the time, or the execution in a lot of their passing games in big moments. There's been big plays to get you on the board. Last weekend, you had a 55-yarder and a 72-yarder that went to the house with Toure. But you also got sacked five times in the first half. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's that rub <laughs> that, yeah. that blows up a drive. I, I'm just wondering if whoever he brings in for the offensive coordinator and whoever's the offensive line coach and run game coordinator can just say, here's how we've got to live and in, in survive in the Big Ten with, all right, it's cool to be a, a 63% or 65% of the time we run the football, but on those money downs – how are you going to go win it? Are you going to win it on the ground? And that that's the biggest question yeah. to me is can you can you fully shift? And and maybe part of the answer, too, is trust. Like you just didn't trust your O-line getting you four yards, and I can't argue with that either with the inconsistency. It's dude, There's so much here, obviously, and I know you've spent a great part of the week talking about it, of course. Mm-hmm. It, look, so, so one, I, I don't really want to revisit the decision of should they or should they not have – Right. You know, should Trev have kept him? They, they did. Not have fired people. It's just like all that stuff happened. And there there were financial reasons that I think were at the forefront in this case. If you run Scott out, you're, I mean, it's $25 million. Like, stop. It's just, you can't do that. I mean, that would have put Nebraska so far, uh, I mean, so far in a hole. And Craig, no other I think team they, in the country I think they had it. Spent, I think they but, had it. I think they had it and they gave him an offer. And there's probably some people that that put that money together that are surprised that he's still here. Because I think they yeah. really tried to lowball him and get him out. Yeah, Could have, right? Maybe, whatever. Uh, but it, that would have been a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 crazy. And I don't know if people had the appetite to right. start completely over. And as although we're not counting moral victories, you can't completely ignore the fact that they really are close. I mean, they are, they, they, you know, they're competitive. They have been competitive in every game. Um, so there's a ton there. I, I don't really want to get into all that. It's just more of a question of will this work and what happened? And like to me, what happened? And we've been talking about this, Chris, since last year. Mm-hmm. There was something in the water offensively that was where the coaches were not on the same page. And we saw multiple, multiple instances of that. And it starts with the offensive line coach and with the head coach. Whether or not they get along personally and respect each other as men and all that, that's besides the point. But in terms of just fundamentally, what do you want to do on offense? There were some differences that were unresolved. I mean, you heard Greg Austin saying, well, yeah, if we want to run the ball, then we got to call those plays. I mean, that's a direct exactly. challenge to his head coach and the offensive coordinator, right? Like That's a direct challenge to him. So those guys weren't on the same page. Then you have the whole thing about Illinois. Well, they came out in a three-man front, and you know we didn't know if we didn't have enough plays for that. And then Lubick, two days later, be like, yeah, we did. It's just They weren't on the same page. And that's Scott Frost's responsibility to make sure they're on the same page. But at the same time, you need to have – a set of assistant coaches that are willing to do that and be on the same page. 
And I think Frost was stretched too thin. Again, his responsibility. It is his responsibility, but I think he was pulled in too many directions and wasn't able and what didn't manage it well and wasn't able to get everybody on the offensive staff on the same page. And what did we see as a result? A disjointed offense every single week, mistake prone. And then offensive line in particular, the sack rate is horrific, horrific. I think it's something like on passing downs or on third downs. What One of the metrics where it's like obvious you're passing, I think it's on third. It was something like a 13% sack rate, right? So more than one out of 10 times when you drop back, I'm not talking about getting pressured. I'm talking about you get sacked and it ranked like 120th in the nation. And that's from the tackle position. The offensive tackles, you cannot tell me that Ben Hart, who was a four-star, who was highly coveted by hundreds of programs across the country, dozens, sorry, Corcoran, same deal. Mm-hmm. These are highly touted guys. Their production, specifically in pass protection, has been really, really bad. And the chances of having those two guys that highly coveted, that talented, yes, young, performing that poorly at the same time, putting it all on their feet and on their shoulders, as opposed to the coaching that they're receiving. Not saying that Greg Austin is incapable of coaching them well, but I just think the fit was, it, it, it wasn't gelling. It was not working out. You can dig into all the reasons, but Frost, Austin, not on the same page. The offensive line in particular, especially in pass protection and even in run blocking, wasn't working out well. Frost is pulling the left tackle and inserting Zadiska, making that decision. You're bringing in ex-players to work with Cam Jurgens on snapping issues. It just, it right? It was, it's dis- They weren't on the same page. And so Frost feels like he needs to start over. I just refuse to believe that the talent that they have on the offensive line isn't capable of more with maybe listening to a different offensive line coach, maybe different drills, different whatever. You got to listen to your own line coach. Here's what we can, here's what we can do. Here's what, what our guys at this age are capable of doing. And then you got to call it that way. Versus, perhaps going going perhaps. the way you want to go with your offense, Elijah. But but one thing I add here is is when you're talking about the the pass protection specifically, was Greg Austin's hands tied by Nebraska's own lack of having a pass rusher? I mean, you're going up against elite Big Ten guys that get after the passer. What did you see on Monday through Thursday? Yeah, how do you throw him out in practice and say, yeah, this guy's a is a good representation of Hutchinson from Michigan? You can't do that because Nebraska doesn't have anybody that good. So whenever I mean, we talk about that in the '90s, uh, the guys from the team saying nothing we saw on Saturday was any better than what we saw Monday through Thursday. You can't say that when we look at the pass protection at Nebraska, they're going up against um, even Nebraska's quote-unquote good pass rushers, the guys that generate pressure, do not generate pressure as much as half the guys that this Nebraska offensive line has seen in their schedule this year. So were his hands tied just by the the lack of Nebraska's defense to get a look for a good pass rusher? I mean, uh, some of the, the run blocking is a little bit inexcusable, but I look at the pass protection and I go, I know they were, they were struggling with schemes like... Um, stunts and twists and sure. all that but communication whenever you don't have an actual elite pass rusher on, on nebraska's defense how tough is that to develop good pass blocking on offense 
good point. Could, that's I think that's a factor too, of course. But it's just like e- either way, the, the 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 collection did not work out, and right or wrong, that's the coach's responsibility and decision on who he's going to work with, and who's going to make it happen. Fact is, one of the worst pass protecting teams in the country. Period. Just flat out one of the worst pass protecting teams in the entire country. And then let's go to the running back position. What the hell's going on with who's playing running back in an, on any given play? Marquis Step doesn't play for like six weeks, and then all of a sudden, in crunch time against Ohio State, you bring him in. Like what? It's just like there was so mi- so much that did not make sense offensively at, at all. And I think Frost recognized that. He knows he's got a super tight leash now. Mm-hmm. And he comes to the ter- determination that I can't run it back with these dudes. I, well, I, it's just it's not working out. I need to change it up and I need to take a step back. Case is in, it going to work? Eh, that's the well, I guess we'll find out. Case in point about step. Why step in? Isn't to run the ball. It's pass protection. He's the next best pass pro option beyond Ramir. That's why he's yeah. in because you want to get down and win throwing the football. And if you're dealing with uh, the Greek freak from Purdue or Minnesota's werewolf off the edge or Aiden Hutchinson or another mid-round pick that Illinois has. You don't see uh, you don't see a lot of help for the tackles that often, as many no. times as you're calling dropbacks. So, well, and the re- but why do you recruit a six foot nine offensive tackle from Minnesota? So you don't need a lot of help. But at this point, <laughs> so at this point in their handle. career, at this point in their career, they need it. Yeah, that, I know. It's look. I'm not saying this is all going to work. <laughs> no, and I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not saying, painting you in that corner either. I'm just. I, I mean, you, I, nailed, you nailed it with the 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 two different pages, and the other thing to think about too, just from a relationship standpoint, think about Greg Austin, and and Greg was in the NFL. Greg turned down the NFL. Greg turned down Ohio State, so it's not like the guy was doesn't have a, a good rep, okay, no, of course in, not. in football circles and isn't believed in and trusted. Fit matters, right? Greg Austin. Fit matters. Greg Austin was here for his kids. He wanted to win in Lincoln. He's a Nebraskan, and when push comes to shove with Austin. Uh, I just absolutely believe his background because he was in Philly with Chip because he's got a history. He he was working for Scott, but he didn't need Scott, if that makes sense. Because yeah. he's the one coach that kind of went out and cut his teeth on his own versus everyone else from Central Florida that this is their first major gig okay, yeah. in, in, in Power 5. So it comes down to Scott wanting to be – being able to listen to other people around him. Mm-hmm. And if if Greg is adamant about, all right, this is what we need to do, this is what we need to run, this is how we need to run, I know it's your offense, boss, but here's, how, here's what I think my guys can do. I don't think that was taken into consideration, and it wasn't implemented. That's my take. That's why it's so disconfigured uh, and, and so boom or bust. It. Yeah, there's a lot in there. But at, at some point, it's like, would it have worked to bring them all back? No. When no. obviously there's some relationships and philosophical cha- philosophical differences but that are an issue. But as a head issue. guy, you've got you've to be able to change philosophically. Yeah. Well, 
well, that's what he's doing right now. <laughs> you know, well, and well, would it yeah, have been yeah, great if they we'll could just see. keep it all together and get on the same page with the original crew that they brought in? Sure, that would have been ideal, but it didn't happen mm-hmm. after four years. No. And so Frost, like, I, I got to blow this thing up and start over. Now, and we'll see where they go with the uh, the offensive coordinator and the O-line angle. Uh, more on that next hour. Quick timeout, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Rewind and uh, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, uh, his thoughts on the week's events coming up. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, and Elijah Herbal. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks to Coach McBride. We'll have open phones. Uh, get back to your calls here. In about 15 minutes, Bill Dolman with us. Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. will no doubt throw the old lasso around Billy D here Friday, but it's a pretty uh, ground-shaking day for Nebraska football. They've not uh, offed assistance before a season's done ever, to my knowledge. Bill, thanks for the time. At Bill Dolman on Twitter is where you find him. Reaction here to the offensive staff, aside from Becton being said, thanks for, for what you've done. We're, we're parting ways with you. We'll get to the restructuring and, and that discussion in a moment. But uh, what, how have you processed today? You know, uh, I, I woke up this morning thinking, I don't think I've ever seen so many coaching changes in the middle of a season um, as we're witnessing right now in college football. And just a couple hours later, the news comes down that I, I was hoping that we would have heard maybe uh, over the weekend, but I'm glad we heard it today, that you know Scott's coming back. I think Nebraska needed that more than anything to be able to move forward into this really re- important recruiting um, uh, window uh, and just just cease the drama. But then a couple uh, minutes later, you know, you, you see the news that Nebraska's joined with Florida, uh, and all the, you know, Texas Tech, Oregon State, um, yep. Oregon State, um, with Washington. I mean, I have never seen the coaching carousel, especially with assistant coaches, spinning as much as it is right now in the middle or the end of a season. I mean, to me, it's really remarkable. And Nebraska's right there. And, you know, and I said this last week, you know, part of the maturation process for a young head coach, and I know Scott's in his late forties now, but still part of the maturation process is to be able to say, look, we need changes. I love my staff. I love the guys who came here with me. I love the people who have been with me for so long, but as part of my job and the loyalty that I have to the program and to the state of Nebraska and to the P and to the players who are here and the people who have invested in me and in us, we just need to make some really hard decisions and make some changes. And so I know I'm, I'm sure this is a very difficult, maybe the most difficult day for Scott in his coaching career to say goodbye to people who believed in you and followed you, but it, it's just part of the business. And I think for Nebraska to make the decision that it did, um, which, I th- which I applaud, Nebraska needed to bring Scott back. I think I think anybody who has listened to me over the past however long would know that this is what I think Nebraska needed to do. But for Scott to make the decisions and the hard decisions, I think shows maturity on his part. He made a difficult decision. I'm surprised it's happened before the end of the season. But this is the, this is the era of college football that we are in. 
I hate to say everybody else is doing it, but that's just the way it's going right now. And I don't think he would have done it if he hadn't been thinking about it, making some calls in the the last few weeks, that he wouldn't have a plan in place as to who he wants to bring in and can bring in in the coming weeks as the recruiting uh, uh, period really starts to heat up. Yeah, in-home visits are the 28th of November, Bill, and it looks kind of bad to do in-season, but there's really no good time. You are going to have to make offensive changes. Philosophy-wise, maybe you go more towards the option or ground and pound, but you got to live and win with the gritty, dirty, tough yards with ball control. There's some elements of this offense that, that do work, but one of them's not been pass protection, and that was evident. And it's all it's all been evident, Bill, and all these close one score losses. And you know, next year's got to be eight nine wins, uh, and it's got to hit the ground running. You've got to recruit. You got to develop. I mean, you've got to warp speed this thing. Now, granted, he's had it'll be then five years. But it's there's a lot on his plate to get fixed and figured out, so he's back beyond 2022. You know, we are entering an, an era of college football that people need to understand. You're not going to go 12 and one, 11 and two, 10 and you know whatever. You're going to have conference championship teams that are going to have two and three losses because we're going to have this 64-team super-type thing uh, where it's going to look a lot more like the NFL than it's, than it's going to look like college football past. When we look at college football right now. You have one really, really, really good team in Georgia, and you have Alabama, who is Alabama. That has just a ton of talent. And then beyond one and two, and we talked about it briefly about these college football rankings you know, to think that you're going to have 12 teams that could fight for a national championship, no. You know, I don't think they can go beyond eight to have really legitimate teams in a college football playoff. But what I'm saying is we're getting into an era where you, where teams and fan bases are going to have to understand you're going to have two and three losses, and you're going to have a lot of teams that all look kind of jumbled up where they're all – you know, six and three or seven and two or, you know, five and four between rank, you know, rank number five or rank number 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just the way college football is going. And, you know, so people need to adjust their mindset that a couple losses, three losses, and that's going to be a pretty good season, right? It's a new normal. Um, You know, it it is going to be the new normal. Um, But, you know, is that going to happen immediately? I I don't know. But anyway, Nebraska needed to make the needed to make the moves that it made today. Keep Scott Frost, make the announcement now, not dangle this out for another couple three weeks to the end of November. And then Scott needed to make some hard decisions and make some changes. Am I surprised that a couple of them? Yes. Am I uh, were a couple of them absolutely needed to be made? Yes. And and he made the the changes as ex- I think really expected. I think it's really tough to see Ryan Held go, because I you know having been around Ryan when he was a player, I've not been around him as a coach, but having seen what he has done in his career, and I think that he got the career opportunity of a lifetime. And then to tweet out today that he you know thank you for the opportunity, uh, you know just a classy classy guy. And I think anybody who 
you know, as a Nebraska football fan, just roots for that guy. You just love Ryan Held because he's so passionate about it and he got a great opportunity. And I think everybody wishes him well. And, you know, Greg Austin having ties to Nebraska, you just you wish all those people well. But, it, you know, it's, it's the business now. Bill, uh, let's talk restructuring. We don't have the, the data, but we know what Michigan did. And that's go from $8 million a year to $4 million a year with the buyout being $4 million, right? So what in your eyes, um, knowing Trev like you do, is probably the, the number here? What, what do you think uh, things were, were agreed upon here to, to get a, a fifth season? Well, let's face it. Scott's done pretty well for himself in the bank account category over the last four years, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's probably something similar. Um, I don't think he was ever going to get $20 million. And whether that has anything to do with that brief press conference announcing that Nebraska uh, admitted to using consultants in an untoward way mm-hmm. for whatever that was, you know, doing what everybody else is doing, Um I'm sure that it's probably something that is, look, you're going to get, if something happens and there's a change made, you're going to do pretty well for yourself. And we're not going to get in Nebraska saying, we're not going to get caught up in this game of spending, you know, a lot of money after we've stuck by you for as long as we have. So whatever the numbers are, I'm sure it was, you know, something that the university probably will come out much better on the other side if a change has to be made. So I don't know what those numbers are. I know they'd have to pay those assistant coaches, I guess, through next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but anymore, that's, I guess, <laughs> relatively speaking, a drop in the bucket. But I'm sure, I'm sure the university made a deal with Scott that is much more beneficial to the university, uh, given its loyalty to Scott and giving him another season. Um, and I think this also, look, for Trev Alberts, uh, Trev's a smart guy, and Trev has connections. But he's been on the job four months. If a change has to be made, this allows him to look at the landscape of college football, investigate coaches that might be out there if a change does have to be made a year from now. You know, this isn't something where you go, okay, let's find a search firm, and you end up with somebody going, wait wait a minute, who, why? You know, you mentioned Chris Peterson just for an example. You know, Chris Peterson is a great football coach. He has spent exactly one a year of his life. And I interviewed Chris at a very lengthy 30-minute show that we did a few years back on the mountain. I did my homework on him. One year outside of the Pacific Northwest and Northern California. So to say, well, we got to bring in Chris Peterson. Well, what ties does he have, you know? Does you've he, whip, be able to he, do does he get the Big to, Ten? Yeah. Right. Do you, you've got to, if you're going to be Trev Alberts, you've got to be able to have done your homework really investigated what the landscape is like and is going to be like before you make a move like that. No athletic director is stupid enough to hire to fire a football coach and not have a plan except for one. <laughs> and that's why we're in the mess that we're in right now. Bill Dolman's with us here. Hail varsity radio. Bill, what do you make of the timing of all this? I asked the same question to Charlie McBride, but with two games left, it's, it seems unusual in the, the grand scheme of college football to be firing assistant coaches in the middle of the season. But that's become a, a bit of the normal this year. Do you think that that means that not necessarily they've given up on these last two games of the season, but do you think that these last two games of the season, uh, they could be trying out some new things, uh, seeing what works on offense and what doesn't? 
Well, you know, keep this in mind, and I, and I, and I uh, you know, this has all happened so fast. You have Ron Brown on staff, right? You have Bill Bush on staff, uh, and, and so you've got you have some coaches on staff in consultant roles. Who I'm sure will be allowed to, you know, have expanded roles, and and maybe they'll be part of what's going on moving forward. You know, Ron's coached running backs before. You know, Bill Bush has been a part of national championship teams and special teams and all those kinds of things. And I'm sure that they've got people in place, you know, to to make, you know, to make a go of it these last two games. Um, you know, I think the thing that was cri- the most critical for Nebraska, and I think for all of us fans and observers, close observers, Nebraska fought. You know, the Purdue game was awful. Let's face it. The first half of the Minnesota game was awful. Let's face it. But Nebraska fought Ohio State. They punched him in the mouth, and Ohio State was the one that, that had to react, and they got the win. But I think you're going to see a team that shows fight, that will fight Wisconsin, that will fight Iowa, and will fight to the end of the season for Scott and for the coaches who are there. And I, and I think that that's one of the reasons why the decision was made. Are they going to have to you know, scramble and put some stuff together unusually for the last two games? Yes. But I, I don't think Scott makes these moves without having – made the contacts and understanding who could fill those roles when all is said and done and Bill, whether that needs to be soon or not i don't know but that's min- not going to make those changes without without having a plan in place the hail varsity radio saturday morning show presented by the nebraska lottery strap yourselves in here are your hosts chris schmidt y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now and Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Thanks for hanging out. Hour 2 weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. And we welcome in managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazine. This uh, glorious Saturday morning, 22 degrees. Uh, here in the capital city. Brandon Vogel with us, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, uh, the the topic of time, very prevalent this week, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and Desmond Howard has got a gray plaid suit on, not not horrible plaid like Bobby Knight's sport coat in the 70s, but it's gray with a little bit of probably maroon to it. And uh, the bow tie and uh, some really nice dress shoes. He's got the pocket watch going, right? <laughs> Do you, would you, next time I see you in a press box, will you be dotting a pocket watch? I will not. Um, I do have one of my grandfather's old pocket watches. Those are like, sweet. Not a, like, an ornate, you know, gold pocket watch. This was like a farm pocket watch. Uh, no longer working unfortunately but i do have one uh, i i don't i don't wear waistcoats enough to uh to be able to pull off the pocket watch but desmond desmond does look sharp i just saw him come on game day here shortly ago well and and desmond's uh not not a favorite of of husker nation but i'm like man that's 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 dressed to the nines right there so as we keep with the topic of time reaction to the week that's been with uh with trev with scott with the assistance, and then we'll start with kind of your take on on the contract. 
Yeah, uh, it, I think Trev kind of said it best on on his radio show this week when he's talking about both people having skin in the game. And, you know, I thought that was a little more metaphorical than I, it actually was. I mean, you look at the contract and with the way these kind of incentives and incentives and the timing of it are set up, it's really like, okay, uh, you're con- contractually obligated to – make some progress on the field, whatever that, you know, mutually agreed upon metric might be. And if you do, then we kind of go back to, to where we were. Uh, if you don't, well, then you've made financial concessions. And, and I think we all know where, where things go from there. So it was, it was interesting to see it spilled out quite, you know, as clearly as it was in that contract. Vogues uh, or Cranach, you up, buddy? We have lost Cranach. I will. Oh, no. I will effort. Getting okay, connected with Cranach. We will connect with Cranach. Uh, Brandon Vogel's with us. That was a curveball. I was not ready for that. Ooh, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, Vogues, you're right. Now, uh, let's talk about October first. It's like we're hitting uh, the you know the old, the old DeLorean, right? The date, <laughs> uh, October first, twenty twenty two. What's your read on that? I mean, it looks like. Trev's saying you got six games next year to, to show me something. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of read that as if they should start 0 and 4, um, <laughs> you're still gonna you're still gonna have some time, I guess, to at least yeah. pull out of that. I mean, you look you look at the schedule, and um, well, first of all, you, you got Northwestern in Ireland, and it's probably going to be Northwestern coming off like a three or four win year, mm-hmm. which is always always dangerous given given Northwestern's ability to bounce back. Um, you got Oklahoma in those first four games, but it, it, I think that going into place October first said, "Hey, look, we're you know we're not going to go crazy if they drop this opener again." Although. <laughs> We're not going to go crazy from a, I guess, administrative standpoint. Although we saw what it was like this year when Nebraska lost its opener. It's not a place I think anybody wants to be again uh, nine months from now. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You got me now, right? Uh, we, we do, yes. About that. How about that? Uh, let's – can we jump back to O-line or jump back to – You do what the hell you want, dude. I'm just yeah, going to pour another okay. one. Look, hey, fit is important, Brandon, right? Like, so I, I think this is less of an indictment on Greg Austin in particular than it is on the relationship and the dynamic between Greg Austin and Scott Frost. And bottom line, production wasn't happening and they weren't on the same page. Is that kind of how you read it with some of these staff moves that he has made is that the offense was disjointed, not on the same page. Production wasn't where it needs to be. That falls on the head coach to make happen. But if it isn't happening, you're kind of left with no choice and you sort of have to start over because look, Brandon, the Nebraska is one of the worst pass protecting teams in America. Right? Like just period, like the sack rate is ludicrously bad. So it, with that said, do you think that it is possible that maybe just kind of having a new collection of guys that are all on the same page could ultimately be the thing to unlock what's what's happening on offense? I think it could be. Um, you know, it's it's tough to to have to make those moves, and I think it's probably a little bit uniquely tough in 
that this staff has been together since they kind of went on this collective journey starting in 2016. But Nebraska's offense, and it's, it's, it's really strange when you just kind of sit back and look at it like the last four years collectively because the problems have shifted a little bit. You know, in 2019, they really struggled to run the ball. I mean, it's not like they're running the ball great this year either. But the bigger issue has been, as you, as you mentioned, just being able to protect the passer. And they still put up, you know, over 400 yards a game. They're still second in the Big Ten in, in total offense. And you, you have these things where the pieces are all kind of there at various points. And for whatever reason, you know, over the past four seasons, they couldn't bring them all together. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of a Hail Mary pass. I think we all understand that. But sometimes just getting a new voice in there and somebody you, you haven't worked with perhaps previously or at least in a long time to, to come in and say, oh, well, I see this immediately from the outside. Um, I think it does have potential to to help. You don't want to have to go that route, but at this point, I don't think Nebraska had a lot of other options. Brandon Vogel's with us here Saturday morning edition, Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, after having some continuity, at least on the defensive side of the ball for the past couple of years, uh, it's going to be a new look offense and a new look defense next year, wouldn't you say, with uh, with the departures on defense as well as some uh, some new offensive staff coming in? Yeah, defense will be pretty interesting because, you know, for, for good reason, everyone on that side of the ball um, w- was retained. But you're still going to go through, you know, a, a kind of coaching carousel cycle. And Nebraska's going to be buying its tickets and, and trying to sell out its offensive staff. But based on Nebraska's defensive performance, I mean, I think some of those assistants could be in, in demand themselves. So you might have that part of it, too. So, so that'll be pretty interesting because if they're able to to hold on to their assistant coaches on that side, you you have a system, I think. And I think when I look at Nebraska's defense this year, it's it's experienced, yes, and and that helps a great deal. But they're just playing collectively good defense, and and they've got some standout players. But it's it's been a uh, they are where they are right now because it's it's kind of greater than the sum of its parts, if that makes sense. And can you maintain that? Because that's a pretty solid foundation, I think, upon which to, to endure some of the, the attrition Nebraska will from, from a player perspective. Vogue's a uh, thought here with fit, as Cranax touched on a lot this morning and right on it with that's, that's part of the, the recipe for success, being better and, uh, and more explosive uh, in the end zone, <laughs> not just between the 20s with your offense and, and finding a run game and, and, and trusting that run game and fixing the quarterback and all that's ailed the offense. Who are some th- some guys out there? And you kind of keep an eye out. You always have with uh, offenses, uh, run game. I mean, all the stuff that's important. Any guys that you think could maybe mesh well with Coach Frost uh, with the offense uh, and what what they could bring to Lincoln? And I guess how different will it look, in your opinion, uh, because of the personnel you're gonna you're, you're still gonna have? Yeah, I'll be surprised if the offense, you know, when we get to to next year, looks a ton different schematically. I mean. 80% of college football runs kind of some version of this, you know, spread offense that, that Nebraska's running. 
So unless you're going to go like full, full pro style or, you know, to one of these kind of extreme systems that are still out there, option, air raid, um, and I don't see Nebraska doing that. In fact, I don't think that would be the right move given, you know, what this offense has shown it's capable of in, in spurts. So it'll be, it'll be interesting on that front, but I don't think that precludes Nebraska from looking at a, an offensive coordinator from, from one of those systems. And, and I think having somebody who comes from kind of a different space might even be a, a little bit beneficial. You know, Frost said he has a pretty good idea of where he wants things to go. It's kind of hard to connect the dots in, in terms of where Nebraska will look, but just some offensive coordinators that, you know, I, I don't know if they're even potential options for Nebraska for various reasons, but guys I just admire, um, Aaron Roderick, who's, who's the offensive coordinator at BYU right now, uh, is, is pretty intriguing. He's kind of a, a pass-first guy, but has gotten a lot of credit for kind of engineering a change at, at BYU starting last year. Uh, and he was a co-OC last year. Brent Davis at Army is obviously a, a pure triple option guy. But I, I don't see it as being kind of the worst fit either for Frost's background and what I think they hope to do in the run game. Not that it's going to be triple option again, but he's a guy who who understands offensive football at a at a high level. You, you, so those are kind of places that I go, um, and it just depends on on where I think they need the they they determine they need the most help. Do they need some new ideas in the run game? Do they need some new ideas in the pass game? It can go a lot of different directions. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Let's uh, flip over to volleyball real quick, Brandon. And, you know, it's it's interesting with Nebraska where I the, I just don't think that the roster as it's currently constructed is explosive enough athletically. And I think there's been a change recently in volleyball where some of those top teams really do have uh, a pretty good degree of, like, explosive athleticism. And I think that's been Nebraska's kind of problem on the outsides is that they can't find that complimentary hitter. Lexi isn't really an explosive athlete. She's good. I think Nebraska's solid. That said, Whitney Lonestein last night, she does appear to have kind of that extra gene there <laughs> where she is pretty damn explosive. She gets really hard swings on the ball. Prowsey the same way. Do you think it's just a, a matter of kind of experience level right now where, like, the athleticism has been upgraded for Nebraska, but they're not necessarily experienced or savvy enough. And that's kind of the other part of the game where they're, they're basically just super power type hitters that need to kind of learn to use the floor, hit off the tops of hands, things like that. Kind of, it feels like they might be just sort of a, like a year away. Is that kind of how you see it with the collection of talent that Nebraska's brought in and kind of their inability to settle that other hitter position outside of Cubit? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it's, it's, it's an experience issue, which you see in just kind of the, the lack of consistency from those, those two freshmen in particular. And I don't mean that as a negative. Like, they're clearly very good, and they kind of have each have their moments and trade off where they're really good in matches. It's just you haven't seen kind of consistent production there. And I agree. I think it's really interesting to kind of talk about explosiveness and just athletes on the, on the outside. You know, we see when, so Nebraska defensively in terms of floor defense and just its attention paid to that side of the ball, 
is, is as good as you'll find in the country. But you still see when, when the Huskers tend to lose matches, it, it ends up being against you know, a Stephanie Samity at, at Minnesota, a player who you can structure everything and have the best back row defense possible. And it's, it's, it's a player that's just going to go over you and make some plays sometimes. Nebraska doesn't have that on the outside right now. And I think with this freshman class and the way they've recruited, they have the potential to in the future. But you're right. I think a year away feels feels like the right way to put that. Vogue's Real quick, too, Brandon, just as a follow-up. Is there a potential for Krause to move to, to the middle? Or would that uh, – and forgive my ignorance there because I know she's an outside. But, like, just body style and, and – power and all that she's she's kind of a good comp to Stivens. She, she is and I, I don't think it's it's off the table and i mean we've seen with coach cook like he is not afraid to say uh i mean kenzie knuckles had a career high five kills from the back row last night and she was your libero and, and they brought in an, another libero who's clearly playing at a high high level and Kenzie Knuckles has adapted to that role. So we, we see that quite a bit you know, when you go through Nebraska's history of just kind of the willingness to be creative and say, okay, well, everyone might think that you're this, but what if we try you here? So I don't think that's off the table. Vogue's uh, thoughts on John Cook's statement last night in the postgame uh, when it comes to uh, the Nebraska players and uh, their reaction to some of the Maryland players that knelt before the national anthem? Yeah, I, I was happy that he addressed it. I was watching the, the TV broadcast, and I, I wasn't even aware, um, so I was obviously at home, but I wasn't even aware that that had occurred until I kind of saw the, the post-match conversation through the net with, with Nebraska and, and Maryland and wondered what that was about. So, um an unfortunate incident, uh, obviously, you know, you're either kind of for free speech or you're not. And I don't know that it's a much more complicated issue than that for me. Yeah. Well, the, the footage is, is pretty cool of Nebraska's players reaching out to a Maryland player uh, after Nebraska sweeps. When it comes to getting on a roll, uh, Nebraska's uh, faced, I mean, the Big Ten's incredible. Uh, and you know, last weekend in Columbus didn't go well for the Big Red. They they bounced back uh, this week. You know how what what's missing and and what can turn the corner for Nebraska volleyball. I don't know the sport as as well. Obviously, uh, you and Jacob are all over it, Cranach. You know it pretty well as well. But uh, where can Nebraska really? I guess what area, in your opinion, can they pick up some momentum here to to make a, a further charge? Yeah, they just they need more consistency offensively. You know, last night's match was was a, a sterling defensive performance, and Maryland has Maryland has a really big block. You know, it's not easy to to hit against that group. I mean, they they open Big Ten play by beating Wisconsin, which which Nebraska hasn't been able to do for a couple of seasons now. So that's a that's a team that's talented to to come out of that with a sweep, and you know that match really I think had a chance to to go five until Nebraska rallied in the second set. So they're just, you know, Lexi Suns has been inserted back into the lineup. She's played pretty well, but you sort of to, to Mark's point, you know, for those 10 hitters, they're just not getting quite enough. And, and against the better teams, which you run into a lot in the big 10, you know, you're kind of left with 
well, we'll try and get Stivers on a slide or, or Kayla Caffey. Kayla Caffey's played at a really high level, but they're just not able to kind of just put the ball up there and have a big hitter on the outside go get it when things get really tough. Can somebody get on a roll over these remaining Big Ten games and then into the NCAA tournament? That's probably what defines the, the ceiling for this team. Last thought here, Brandon, before we let you go, and I want to move quickly to basketball as the Huskers responded last night with a comeback win over Sam Houston State. Uh, Creighton come into town on Tuesday. Is this one of those years where Nebraska needs to beat Creighton, or do you think the fans understand that this is a team that's still growing and getting better? Um, I, I, I think, well, Creighton's, Creighton's kind of in, this, in a similar spot at the moment. I watched a little bit of their game on Thursday, and you know they've got some new pieces as well. I, I think this is... Winning last night for Nebraska basketball was was probably bigger than it may have at first seemed because I, I, it's a group that needs to have some success early on and I, and I think the ceiling's pretty high for for Nebraska basketball. So this, this Creighton game might feel a little bit more muted compared to others, but it also feels more up for grabs than than many past Nebraska Creighton games have to be. Vogue, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, anything on the grill or smoker? No, no, I haven't planned that out yet. I don't know why. I should have taken advantage of this bye week, but we'll uh, we'll just we'll call it a the line. All right, there we go. Uh, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, get his book "Dream Like a Champion" with Brandon Vogel and John Cook, and uh, read him at and magazine. Folks, thanks for the time today, bud. Wow, he was ready to leave. All right. <laughs> so, hey, real quick on volleyball, and I know, Chris, you mentioned you don't know it as well. And, I mean, I'll watch you know, it. I appreciate I'm, it. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm by no means an expert, but I, but the way to kind of break it down from what I see is you have like five of your six solid players completely figured out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, you know you got Cubic. She's playing really well. You got Stiverens playing re- pretty well on her comeback here. You got Lexi Rodriguez, one of the better uh, defenders in the entire country. You got Kenzie Knuckles, great defensive player as well. Uh, and then, of course, you got Nicklin Hames, et cetera. So five of your six, and of course, you're always going to rotate players in volleyball, but mm-hmm. that's your nucleus. It's that six position, it's that other hitter position opposite Cubic that Nebraska has tried four different players, <laughs> three freshmen and Lexi, and are essentially getting the same production, which isn't good enough, no matter which combination they try. And so the, the, what, what they're trying to figure out, what Cook is trying to figure out, is get one of those four <laughs> hot and ready to go. And, that, and it's, it's, that's the thing that's kind of holding them back. And they have, I mean, they have options. You know, like mm-hmm. Krause, Batenhorst, Son, and... They've got uh, really Lowenstein good options. All, they're, they're all top 20 type talent recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not playing as savvy and as well as like something clicked with Cubic to where she is playing a complete game. She's, you know, she's got the savvy, she's got the touch plus the power. Like she's got it all figured out, but they cannot figure out that other hitter position right now. Mm. Um, and that, that's, that's the problem. They're, they're all, they're not hitting for a high enough percentage. They're not, they call it terminating. They're not terminating enough balls when they get set. Um, it's yeah, that that's the thing that they, the good news is, is they have four options. The bad news is, is none of them have quite grabbed a hold of it yet. It's like so Nebraska's running back position. Cook can figure that out. Yeah. It doesn't even matter what you're doing. The Big Ten. It's all about postseason. They're all no, I know exactly. And the Big Ten yeah, prep so. shift for the NCAA because of how 
arduous uh, that path is in conference. I mean, it's so, so good. We'll uh, get some thoughts here as we wind down the weekend edition. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A.M. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with your weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, the Iron Horse. Back with us, Gary Sharp, at our normal time. Sharpie, how are you, bud? Good. Hey, you guys, uh, anything interesting happened this week? I think it all happened this week. It's been nuts. We'll get there. We'll get to uh, some Husker hoops. Uh, we will get your take on some high school ball last night. What did you see? Well, you, uh, we can start with high school. Uh, Omaha Westside is a really, really good football team. Yep. And they are physical. They are well-coached. They're talented. They've got a lot of intangibles. And they beat a Bellevue West team that is very talented, but Omaha Westside is better at the, at the things that make a difference and when they had to be tougher. And that's a huge win for Westside last night. And then on the other side, Gretna's got a really good football program. I saw Gretna quite a bit this year, and they got a really good defense. Uh, they've got really good offensive pieces with their quarterback, Zane Flores. And then they got Mick Huber at, at running back. Uh, it's a very, it'll be a very interesting Class A, a final. And then in B, um, Bennington is really, really good. Dylan Mostek's a talented running back that not a lot of people know about unless you've played Bennington or watched them. So the, uh, I know for, you know, and I, I, I'm unfortunate, I know not, can't get around to C and D, but uh, see a lot of A and B and, a and B finals have a lot of uh, interesting storylines and matchups, but usually this time of the year, if you're still playing, you're well coached from top to bottom. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Real quick about the uh, about Bennington because we're right; they have very little tradition, history, uh, experience, and I don't know this, but it, it was something. Didn't the tailback have like a thousand yards after like five games, four games this year? Like, what are his numbers yeah, he, right now? Do you have any idea? He was. He was in the top five in rushing in the United States. Uh, he's, I think he's at about 2,500 yards, I believe. Uh, he's, I mean, he just hand him, you, you, you toss him the ball, and good luck trying to stop him. They're a, they're a fun program. They've been, they've been building their program for a while, and that community is you know, really growing, and they're, they're starting to become better and better across the board in boys and girls sports. But football they, uh, they have a really good program going, and when you have a running back that is well over 2,000 yards uh, playing Class B football, that, that says something. Sharpie, uh, let's put together the, uh, the week that's been from Monday to, to Friday with Trev and Scott and the changes. You know, the, the bigger question I have here in the short term here is, do you think Nebraska is going to be able to be competitive here these final two with the changes? Well, I think that's the question. Will they be competitive? I think they'll go out and compete. But how many people are going to pay attention to the last two games of the year? You know, you've kind of, you've kind of punted the 21 season, and now you're on to 22. And the thing that is rough for guys that got to go play the game and coach the game is Wisconsin and Iowa definitely have something on the line. And you're going to face, with a uh, depleted offensive staff, you're going to face two of the top defenses in all of college football. So, it's going to be rough. I, 
you know, I, I think Nebraska is going to have to dig awful deep for the next two weeks. Um, there's going to be some guys playing for a paycheck, playing for a spot next year, playing for some pride. But it's not going to be easy. I mean, you, you basically said 21 is over. Now we're on to 22. Now, if you're a player, you know, how do you, how do you look at that? That's, uh, it's, the weird, it's the weirdness that has become Nebraska football in 2021 that none of us, none of us thought this would even be possible when we were talking about this in August. Silver lining, Gary, is there a chance that the offense and the staff and how everything was put together was so dysfunctional that now you've now you've now removed a couple of those variables and it could actually solidify things and make things a little cleaner and more widely understood by the players executing i mean that's possible but i think you had a lot of players that were pretty close to their certain position groups now it's a business and the four uh, changes that were made were the four that i've been mentioning for about a month now mm-hmm. that are areas which nebraska's got to get better i just we don't know. I mean, we won't know until this time next Saturday when Nebraska gets ready to play that game what they're going to be like. But I really think this is going to be tough. This is really, really going to be tough. I mean, if they pull one of these wins out, which would be great. You know, in a year that is not great, it'd be great to win one of the trophy games and beat one of your rivals. But we have no idea how these guys are going to react. That's why I'm curious on Monday what the tone will be. Will there be any questions about Wisconsin and the finish 21, or will they all be centered around? Hey, what do you think about the changes? What's going to happen in 22? Is this even possible? It's 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 a weird spot to be in, especially if you have to coach and coach two more games. We don't ever see this. You know, you might have a change here or two during the course of a season, but not a major overhaul like this, where you still have two games to play in the year. It's it's something that we haven't seen before, and I'll be curious to see how this all unfolds. But maybe there's some you know some fresh ideas that you know maybe you get a little spark on that offense, but at this point, I don't know that I'm counting on it against Wisconsin and Iowa's defense. Sharpie, you uh, you know Trev uh, Alberts, and uh, anxious to kind of get your reaction to his handling of everything and and how he's, well, he's grown the relationship between him and Scott, and, you know, Trev's, Trev's going to be there for all of his coaches and his, and his football coach that got brought back that agreed to terms, uh, reduced terms. Well, I think, I think Trev believes in what's going on here. And I think there's certain things that he sees that we're not privy to. And I also don't think Trev was ready to make a move. Because if he's going to make a move, he wants the guy that's going to be here for a while and takes Nebraska to the next level. And, and Trev, was, Trev was smart. This was a good deal. Okay, you, give, you, put, you put Scott wants to gamble on himself. All right, let's let him gamble on it. But... He's not going to take us down. We're going to protect ourselves. And so basically with the contract, we're going to harbaugh him. It's, you know, there's a lot of history that says it can't be done. Um, I was curious, uh, the contract that came out yesterday, you know, I, I, there's, there's clear expectations that have been given to his head football coach on you have to achieve. The Trev I know never puts a number like wins. Hey, you've got to win six, you've got to win seven. He's going to look at how the form and fashion is and how things operate. But it's... It's just, it, I don't know, it, it, you know, it's kind of a, it's a frustrating thing for Nebraska football that they're in this situation. But Trev basically said to Scott, hey, nobody is worth $20 million to fire, and you made the bed, you're going to lay in it, but I'm going to help you make the bed, and let's see if we can do this. And if we can't do it, it's going to be pretty clear, and we've got to move on. 
Yeah, and Gary, when you look ahead to next season, who knows who you bring in in the portal and in recruiting and all that. Um, but I can't help but think, too, everybody acts like the defense is completely solidified now, and you can just count on it, take it to the bank. But you can't ignore the fact that you had so many six-year guys. I mean, grown men with four years in the system, completely physically developed, totally understand the the entirety of the scheme by now. Like, you had that huge advantage defensively this year. And you're, a lot of your best players are not going to be back next year because they're going to be gone to the draft and all that. So are we maybe crowning Chenander <laughs> in the defense and maybe uh, thinking that they're that it's something that's portable and you're going to get that same level of production next year? Or do you think that unit will also take a step back? And if that does, and then the offense does too, Eh, what kind of results are we looking at next year? Yeah, that, Mark, that's a great point. Now, the one thing I will say about the defense is they've established a culture of competition and of success and benchmarks, and they are losing some talented players. I mean, it, you know, JoJo Doman, what else could he do for this football team? Cam Taylor-Britt's going to move on to the NFL, possibly Damian Daniels. You may have some other guys that say, you know what, I just don't want to be around any longer. Um, you may have you may have a couple assistants that get some interest in the off season, so it's not like the defense is gonna they're gonna be there for you and they're gonna bail you out again next year. But I think they have they have a base where they can build on, and there's enough young guys that have seen action this year that I think there's enough to grow on. You know, whether it be that linebacker with Reimer and Henrich and Caleb Tanner, who has really he's been hot and cold his career, but he's played pretty well this year without a lot of attention. So at least they have something there. But I think most importantly, they have a culture that's built in on that defensive side of the football where they've got a great relationship with all the coaches and the players that they're able to go out and produce like they have been. And I think even though they might take a minor step back just because they won't be as experienced, I don't think they will regress to the 18-type defense. I think they've established something. Now they just have to build on that side of the football. And You know what? They're going to be relied on a lot more than they were this year, believe it or not. Gary, do you see the, the coaching staff, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, coaching for the future for these last two games? Maybe not changing up the starting lineup at all, uh, but getting some of those younger guys on and off the field a little bit more for these final two games, knowing, well, it really doesn't matter for not making a bowl game? I, I see what you're saying, Elijah, but I don't think so. I, I think that's, that's disrespectful. Um, it's not like it's exhibition season and it's tryout season. They still have to go out there and compete in Wisconsin and Iowa. are going to be playing for something. And you've got to remember, Wisconsin and Iowa doesn't care what's going on at Nebraska. They're not going to go, oh, I feel bad for them. No, they're going to try and hammer you and embarrass you. And so you can't treat the game like it's, hey, this is an open tryout for 22. Again, between the ears, it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to be locked in next Saturday for when you get ready to line up against Wisconsin. Now, I don't see that. I see on the defensive side of the football, everything is the same except JoJo will not be available. On the offensive side, I don't think all of a sudden we're going to see Logan Smothers taking numerous snaps. I think they will still be the same you know, formula and the same guys that are out there. Because to be honest, you really don't have any young guys you could plug in there and go, okay, let's see him, except for Fedoni. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think everything will be the same. But you've got to remember, Wisconsin and Iowa want to hammer Nebraska. They don't feel bad for Nebraska. So Nebraska can't treat it like, okay, this is the first two games of 22 i got to find a way to finish 21 and not get embarrassed and leave it into a more nuclear winner than we're already going to have. Sharpie, when we talk vision and plan for, for Frost and, and more delegating and hands-off and CEO, 
type mentality, totally capable. I think Cranax nailed some points earlier that that Trev's gonna gonna help Scott in that respect. But when we talk fit for offense, you know what what do you think Nebraska needs to do, or what makes sense to you for uh, a more consistent red zone, a more consistent run game in twenty twenty two? I mean, you've, you've you put a ton of yards up. You just haven't found those yards to, to translate into points. How is it better uh, so we're not doing the same thing a year from now here on offense? I mean, and who's that fit out there you think could be part of the, the change? Well, let me, let me first address the, the thing, and I heard Mark earlier say this. Trev is a huge asset for whoever the football coach is in Nebraska, and I think it's more so to Scott. He's called Scott under the rug. He's holding him accountable. He said, I'm here to not work against you. I'm here to help you. At some point, Scott Frost has to be a football coach, and he can't have his hand held by the athletic director. He's been given a reprieve. He's been given a refresh. He's been given the mulligan that most coaches get when they find scapegoats on their staff. At some point, the head coach has to be the head coach. Now, with that said, it's going to be fascinating to see how he transitions to the CEO, CEO role. He loves play calling. And and he's not bad at play design. There's the execution part of it. But now trying to separate yourself and oversee the program and hand the keys to the car to someone else, I think is going to be a difficult challenge. Now, if Scott can pull this off, that is a great sign that he is growing as a football coach in charge of a major college football program that at times has overwhelmed him. I think the power, the spread, and the option elements that Nebraska has right now, guys, I think should still be in there and find an offensive coordinator that, that is not Oregon-related, Central Florida-related, if you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but it has, has that kind of a background and then looks at the talent that is on the roster and says, this is the best fit for the guys that are here. We don't have to turn over a, a, a new leaf and, and all new language. We can kind of work some things in. So I don't think it'll be a drastic change, but there are intriguing candidates out there. It's just... Will they come here and then say, okay, I feel comfortable that I am the OC and I am the one calling the plays and it's all in charge of me? Um, I also say, if you're looking, like for example, I'm not going to use him as an example, Jake Pete at LSU, who had a really good play-calling night against Alabama last Saturday night. He's got the Nebraska connection. He's on a staff that's about to get, you know, has been fired, so they're out at the end of the year. What if you look at OC that also has a quarterback that's in the portal? And so that makes the transition a little bit easier. Uh, there's a lot of lot of moving parts in all of this, but when you see the hire, I think we'll learn a little bit more about um, kind of the growth of the head coach. Gary Sharp's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Sharpie, going to flip it around to, to Husker Hoops real quick and uh, get your take. I know you were doing uh, high school ball last night, but uh, the Huskers found a way What's your read on this Husker Hoops team through two games? Learning. Uh, they have to find somebody other than Burge and Bryce McGowan's. Uh, you know, Andre stepped up last night. I think it's a team that probably would be better suited if they played six to seven games against low to mid-major teams, kind of to get used to everybody, because uh, it's definitely a work in progress. But the offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding is going to continue to be an issue. Guys, Tuesday night, we might see Creighton and Nebraska combine for 100 rebounds. 
these are two teams that don't shoot the basketball very well. But I think Nebraska, it was, they found something last night because they found a way to win a game. There were so many things about that game that said they're not going to win. They didn't play well. Sam Houston State played much better at times. But Nebraska won a basketball game, and at least you can work from that. But it's, it's probably a little bit more work in progress than, than we imagined. And we, we probably put too much stock into that Colorado exhibition game. But Nebraska needs to start finding roles of guys that play smart basketball and that when they have an opportunity to make a play, they make a play. Um, but I think it's going to be a slower build-up to this season and getting going in the real Nebraska than I thought it would be. But they're going to have to be ready on Tuesday night. I mean, that, that, that ramps up when you have Creighton in Nebraska. But, boy, there's going to be a lot of bricklaying going on. I'm, I'm thinking that PBA at 6 o'clock on that Tuesday. Gary Sharp with us here. Gary Sharp. Oh, sorry. Credit, go for it. No, you go. You go. Uh, I, Gary, I was going to ask you about uh, Bryce McGowan's because we've had all the hype with Bryce McGowan's, the five-star, and a, a little inefficient in his first game, but looked much better last night going 9-13, of 13, uh, 29 points, uh, but really gets his, his first test against Creighton. What are you looking for from him as this season moves on? He is no fear. I mean, you can tell that he has played a lot of basketball against high-level competition. Uh, if you're looking at Nebraska now, you contain McGowan's, you contain Burge, he got a shot to really be successful against Nebraska. I think we're just going to continue to see him grow. The more minutes he plays, the more high-level competition in college that he plays, I think he's the real deal. I mean, he's everything is advertised, and we're seeing it. Um, you know, opening night, the shooting percentage wasn't great, but he still got to the line 12 times, and he put up a big number. And he put up a big number last night. Now I'm starting to think, wow, is he going to easily surpass the freshman scoring record? He, he's as advertised, and there's a lot of times in Nebraska history Hype recruits have shown up, and they haven't met the moment. And he is a guy that you hope you get more than one year out of him. Sharpie, have a, an incredible weekend, bud. Yeah, you feeling good about your Chiefs? Um, it'll be a good game. Let's just put it that way. I, I, need, I need Patrick Mahomes not to hit home runs. Singles are okay. <laughs> he needs help, man. His run game isn't good, and his defense isn't helping, and Vegas loves to get up for him. Well, that, last year they had a huge win there late on uh, on Monday night. Hopefully it's uh, another late victory in uh, Vegas on uh, Sunday night. Sharpie, enjoy yourself. We'll uh, catch up soon. Thanks for the time, Thanks, bud. Thanks, guys. Um, Gary Sharp with us here on Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. And uh, good to hear from him. Just some of the, the other names at offensive coordinator for Nebraska that are that are out there. You've And, and I like him mentioning Jake Peets from LSU. Uh, I think that would make a ton of sense. We'll see if that can happen. Uh, Kurt Siaraka, uh, Kirk Siaraka, the, what do you think of that, that guy? Cause he's, he did well at, at Minneapolis. I mean, he was really good for that gopher team, uh, was part of the problem at Penn state, but COVID was not easy to deal with. Now he's an analyst uh, for for uh, West Virginia. Uh, Joe Daly, wideout uh, coach at Boston College. You know Joe, and then you got Arkansas State's uh, offensive coordinator uh, Keith Heckendorf. I'm I'm interested here. Uh, Jeff Nixon, Carolina Panthers coach. Sonny Cumbie, he's the interim interim head coach at Texas Tech. But Sierra is. 
he's kind of done the the RPO smash offense uh, with the Gophers before because that's where we're at, right? I mean, Minnesota's always been run first, and they've been not anything great throwing the ball, but they've been super effective, and they've they've had high-level talent. I, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. Another name for you? Based on what Pete Ricketts has said about vaccine requirements in the state, Nick Rolovich from Washington State. He's available. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so we have a there Nick Rolovich mention. I, he, no. I, I just, listen, I, I don't need any more Oregon here. I just don't. Mm, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, listen, with with Helfrich, think about Helfrich, like, flamed out in the NFL. And he's, he's a good coach, right? He's doing the analyst thing now. But w- would he want to go work for Scott <laughs> versus yeah. being, you know, being a boss? He was Scott's boss. I don't know. It's, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? I, we don't know. I don't track offensive coordinators that well either, so I. You're fine. Great neck. Have a good weekend, brother. What about Tom Osborne? Bring him back. (laughs) Amen.